There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Author Nicholas Sparks published his hit romance novel, The Notebook, 25 years ago today. I spoke about The Notebook's legacy with Sparks in 2016 when he released his book, See Me, and his movie adaptation, The Choice, to find out his secret to making Sparks fly. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's a pleasure. Hey, well, thank you for having me. This is uh, this is great. I appreciate it. Definitely. I want to get into your new movie, uh, The Choice, that's coming out. But uh, first of all, let's let's talk about your latest book that you've had out, uh, See Me. Um, it's it's done really well. It's been on the top of the like New York Times bestseller list for a while now, and it's got a bit of a, a thriller vibe to it. Uh, are you uh, surprised, or is it is par for the course now? It's every time you put a book out. I know. Isn't isn't. Uh, isn't uh, isn't that funny? You know what I did was I, I tried to write novels that uh, are different than anything I've done before, right? And right. you know I know everyone knows there's a love story in it, and everyone's seen the Notebook. We all get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tried to do that. So this, of course, See Me came out in October. It was it's a novel that that has a love story in it, and it's a couple of great characters. You got Colin and Maria. She's my first Hispanic character that I've ever. Uh, created, and she meets this guy. He's had some trouble with the law in the past, but is turning his life around. You know, she's an attorney. Well, can they make it? They're very different. Opposites attract. Well, it's Nicholas Sparks. Of course they're going to give it a whirl. Well, what happens? Uh, well, slowly but surely, I guess you'd say the novel kind of devolves into a very twisty mystery thriller. And you know, you're, the reader's not sure what's going on and this and that. And then by the end, of course, it's very exciting because it's almost a thrillerish ending. And you know that was a lot of fun for me to write because I, I was able to capture all the elements of the love story or, or, or North Carolina and everything that I generally do and at the same time add new elements that are different that make the story feel very fresh and original. And of course, readers uh, have seemed to like it, I guess, you know, debuted at number one. But even now, I guess, what, three and a half months or three and a half months later, I still think it's like number three or four on the bestseller list. Cool. So people have uh, seemed to really enjoy it. Definitely. Um, and you, you mentioned that with See Me, it was, you know, a first for you and you, 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 your first uh, Hispanic female character there. Um, but the, the movie The Choice is also a first for you, right? It's, it's the first Nicholas Sparks production in terms of uh, you, you as a producer, right? Go into that. Uh- yeah, isn't that exciting, right? A little production. You know, I've done all sorts of different things with film. I've always been involved in the script and, and casting early on. You know, that, that came with the very first film. And that means involved. Over time, my involvement has grown in those areas. And, you know, I've written the, the script for various films, or I've served as a producer for various films. Mm-hmm. So the choice, you know, I'm not only a producer, but it's through my production company, which was exciting because, I guess, I was able to be a little bit more involved in other other elements of the film, where it was filmed, 
for instance, or the budget of the film, or the music associated with the film. All of these things where I didn't really have much uh, exposure to in the past. And that was really a lot of fun to be able to do because the movie can come out exactly like I wanted it to come out. And when you have the choice, you got Ben Walker and Teresa Palmer. And I, I think the chemistry they have is amazing in the film. It's, if, if, it's the closest thing to The Notebook since The Notebook, I would say. It's just really, really incredible. Now, why do, you, why, do you say it's part, the, it, why do you say it's the closest thing? Because it's a two-part story? Yeah, there's, of course, the, the, the stories are reminiscent, and I think it really goes to uh, the, the script itself, and it was a little bit different than some of the other scripts we've put out again, because it was through our production company, so it's a little more ensemble-like. It's a little more, let's say, uh, edgy, or, and, and the music plays a little bit more of a role, and all of those things combine to make it a little bit different, and just Ben and Teresa, sometimes you know, you hope for good chemistry. It's really hard to know for sure whether you get it until you actually begin filming. And we're just fortunate that as soon as, you know, these two get together, the, the, the sparks fly, pardon the pun. And that's exactly <laughs> what it's supposed to do. It feels so real, the, the emotions that they go through in the presence of each other. Uh, the viewer can't be helped but drawn into the story. Break down the storyline for us. I mean, you and I have read the synopsis, but just so our listeners so you can hear it in your words. Yeah, the story, uh, well, it's a reminiscent of The Notebook. And I really loved, uh, well, I mean, I've loved everything that I've done. But one of the neat things about The Notebook that I thought was uh, it, it explored what happens to a couple after the honeymoon is over. Right? All right, right. We know they're in love. What happens next? So The Notebook, I say, all right, what happens 50 years later? All right. So we did that. Well, this is a much shorter duration. You know, this is what happens 10 years later. And when, when, a couple is confronted with a choice. Of course, there's a choice in the early part of film. There's a choice in the latter part of the film. And it really reflects the reality of the way life kind of throws curveballs at everybody, right? Life is never quite what you expect it will be. And whenever I give commencement addresses at universities or at high schools, that's what I say. Whatever you imagine it's going to be, the only thing I know for certain is it's not going to be that because I've never met anyone who said, yeah, boy, everything is just what I imagined it would be. It's just because life isn't as predictable as we all would like it to be. And in reality, we all have choices to make. What happens if you would have chosen somebody else to marry? What happens if you had chosen a different job or, or chosen to uproot from wherever you are and move across the country and start all over, right? choices. And the choices we make reflect the, not only the people the, we are, but the lives that we lead. And I think that that's a, such a wonderful concept to explore. But of course, if that doesn't make any sense to anyone, look, it's a Nicholas Sparks film. <laughs> They're going to be kissing in the rain and all that good yeah, stuff. Yeah. And it's a great Valentine's movie. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Yeah, you. I mean, you put it. You put it in, in in those terms, but that's what everyone. You know that that name recognition uh, carries. You know, it romance melodrama. It, it you become synonymous with it. Just like you know, say you mentioned Hitchcock, you know, suspense. You me, you know what I mean. You mentioned oh, Michael Bay. It's action. It's you've become so associated. Are you proud that you know you're so synonymous with a certain sort of subgenre? Yeah, I am. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, and and certainly. My novels fall into a certain subgenre, and I've just been fortunate when it comes to film. 
even I don't know why so many films have gotten made. People ask. I'm like, well, I don't know. They just keep making them, right? <laughs> yeah. and I think this is the 11th. And, you know, I know, I think of any author out there, I think I have the second most, right? It's Stephen King and me. Right. Nobody has more than 10. And I've just been kind of fortunate in that regard. I wish I had a great explanation or something about it. It's just that I think they're different enough that Hollywood says, oh, okay, there's room in our in our year for a film like this. Oh, there's room in our marketing campaign to try to capture this particular kind of audience. So yeah. that's what we do, and I've just been fortunate that uh, to catch that wave, I guess. And I've been riding it for a long, long time. Hey, keep riding as long as you can. You mentioned The Notebook uh, a couple times. I mean, I feel like that most people would hold that up as sort of your, your masterpiece. I mean, it's the one that probably most people, you know, have seen over and over again and quote all the time. Um, you know, what, what do you, why do you think that one, it, it, A, is that, is that you think your favorite one? And B, why do you think so many people love that one so much? I, I think there's a, a couple of, of reasons. Is it my favorite? Look, I mean, I'm certainly incredibly proud of that I wrote The Notebook, and you know, I'm very fond of that story. It did launch my career. Is it the one that I consider to be the the, the most well-written? No. Which, um, which one is that, you think? It, you know, I would have to say See Me, right? My, okay. uh, the most recent novel that I've written, it was incredibly complex, The Longest Ride, also Safe Haven. These, you know, some of my more recent work, I think the writing has improved. I think the stories are more complex. The characters are more complex. But, you know, that's my opinion. It doesn't mean that it's the one that anyone else likes the best. I think that people, a lot of people think of me and they think of The Notebook primarily because of the film. And that's just a, you know, it's not only did Nick Cassavetes, the director, do a wonderful job, but Ryan and Rachel and James and Jenna, they all, there was something about that film that just caught the public's imagination. And... And it was really interesting because it, that didn't even happen when it was in theaters. It happened when it was in DVD. It was something like, you know, The Notebook was pretty successful as a as a novel, first novel, right? Spent over a year on the New York Times bestseller list, but it never hit the top three. Just kind of hovered in the middle, just week after week. So the film comes out and it does, I don't know, $80 million. It's a lot of money. But it's not Star Wars by any stretch. Shoot, it's not even Titanic. But then what happened was it came out in DVD, and it was like the number one seller for like Warner Brothers for, I think, like seven straight years. Like yeah. every week, it was number one. It had this incredibly long run on DVD. It's I'm like, whole- okay, I'll take it. And then, of course, it's on every channel every other week. So <laughs> there it is, too. A- absolutely. Now, I mean, obviously, it wasn't your production company back then, but did you talk with Nick Cassavetes about his dad at all? I mean, he's a legendary filmmaker in his own right, and obviously he had Gina Rollins in the cast. So Yeah, of course. Yeah, I worked with them. I was involved in casting all the way, all the way through. Uh, in the end, you know, it's film is a very collaborative process, and so I don't want to certainly steal any of, of of Nick Cassavetes' thunder here. It was really his vision that brought this film together. His vision, and then the performances of those in the film, and and the and the and the producers of the film, they made it all work and come together. And so. You know, with all of this said, that did I talk to them? Was I there? Did I know what was going on? Did I have an opinion? Absolutely. Absolutely, I did. And at the same time, you know, there was something about that particular group of people at that particular time that just made it turn into this thing that has become almost a, a cultural touchstone of sorts. 
when you see someone earning all the you know Oscar nominations for Spotlight, you know, in the Big Short and things, do you do you look and say, "Wow, I helped kind of pave the way for those guys." You know, yeah, of course. And at the same time, you know, their career is their own, right? Their right. career is their own, and I'm not going to take it. I'm. They came in. I gave them a shot. They maximized their shot, right? They did such a great uh, job, and I would certainly say that I had no role whatsoever in the way they brought those characters to life. You know, I, I certainly did not. That was their talent. That was their years of training. That was their ability to work with the directors. So it's exciting to watch not only, let's say, Ryan and Rachel, but how about Liam Hemsworth in The Last Song, or yeah. or you watch Taylor Schilling opposite yep. Zac Efron in The Lucky One. How many times has she been, you know, been won an Emmy for Orange is the New Black, right? right? So there have been lots of characters or, or actors that, you know, not a lot of people, well, hardly anybody knew before than they than they were in one of these films, and, and, they, and they get more well-known. Ben Walker, Teresa Palmer in The Choice, the the work they did was extraordinary. I think both of these people are going to be big stars. You seem to be cranking them out, you know, and and Scott Eastwood and the rest of them. You mean you you seem like you churn them out? I mean, I feel like well, the one that comes on TV the all like the most, almost like on ABC Family and stuff, is A Walk to Remember. Do you? I mean, that was one of the cheaper made, uh, I think, budgets in terms of the, you know the the films that you shot, but. Um, that one almost resonates to millennials in the sort of cancer or tearjerker way that Love Story did for baby boomers. I mean, um, absolutely. Why? Why do you think? Why do you think that one resonated despite such a small budget? Why do you think A Walk to Remember is still one to remember? <laughs> you know, it, it it kind of falls in that middle school teenage girl. You gotta watch this. They have their collection of movies that you gotta watch. <laughs> right. You know, Perks of Being a Wallflower, or right. you know, The Notebook, or a walk to remember. You know, there's also other ones. You know, a lot of teenagers they'll, they'll like some of the classics, like The Breakfast Club, right? right? Yeah. Things or Napoleon Dynamite. Right. It just Ferris Bueller. To be in the yeah. rotation yeah. of those movies that girls starting in middle school really like to watch. Also, at the same time, the great thing about A Walk to Remember is the message is so strong, especially for teenage girls, and that is, you know, you don't have to change who you are to get a guy. You just be who you are. And be proud of who you are, and and do the right thing. You, you can, it's okay to be a good person. Mr. Sparks, thanks so much for taking your time. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.